0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Year of Fulfillment, Part 7. Enjoy. Hey, we're talking about the year of fulfillment. This just happens to be it, 2017. <laughs> we're, we're talking about living the dream in 2017. What dream are we talking about? We're talking about God's dream for our lives. His dream includes a lot of things and... Uh, we're talking about some basic fundamentals but wholeness is one of the things that his dream includes for you wholeness prosperity and fulfillment John 10 10 let's put it up on the screen you'll you'll hear this regularly from me and the main reason is because Jesus declared it as his purpose and I'm so glad that that um I think our our little thing went out there guys our screen is 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 looking for some light there uh John 10 10 I'll read it anyway. And uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can read along with me. This is the King James Version. But I like this so much because no one put Jesus up to this. I mean, the Father asked him to do it, but this was not a, a political agenda. This wasn't a survey that was taken. This wasn't a meeting with the religious leaders. Jesus spoke this because it was true, okay? I like going right to Jesus. And you'll find oftentimes what Jesus speaks is contrary to what religion teaches, and sometimes that, that makes you somewhat of an outcast, but I've decided, you know, it's okay. I'd rather be me and Jesus on the other side of the fence than, than with the in crowd, okay, with the religious crowd. I want him more than I want anything else, all right? So, so Jesus, of his own free will, laid down his life. He said yes to his father, and then he only spoke what his father told him to say. So you know this is coming from who? You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, right? So he's speaking what the Father says, so I'm going to go with it, okay? That's why I bring this verse up so much. It couldn't be any simpler, couldn't be any clearer. First, he talks about the enemy that we have, the thief, right? Satan and all his demons, they come to steal, to kill and destroy. That's not who Jesus is, right? He says, I'm different than that. I am come that they might have life. Oh, I need him so much. And that they might have it more abundantly. So if if you're tempted to believe anything else about Jesus' purpose for your life, don't. Stay with that. That's coming straight from the master, okay? And the message translation says, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Where did the whole concept of dreaming come from? Sure. Now, there's goofy dreams, right? I had a goofy dream last night. It didn't make any sense. Sometimes we just have crazy dreams. That's, That's not from God. But the idea of employing our heart into something that hasn't happened yet, that's from the Father. The idea of seeing something inside that hasn't happened yet that really excites you, that's from the Father. God has a dream for your life, and boy, it's better than the best movie you've ever seen but he wants to illuminate that on the screen of your heart. He wants you to come to this matinee and see what he has planned and purposed for you. It's abundant life. All right? That's what he has done. Now, we see this heart of God revealed in Jesus, and we see it in the apostles of Jesus after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and wrote the epistles. The apostle John said it this way. Inspired by the Holy Spirit in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, he said, Beloved, that's who you are, right? You're God's beloved. He loves you. I wish above all things, and this is the guy who referred to himself in the Gospel of John as the apostle, disciple whom Jesus loved. Do You know that? If you read through the book of John, he'll, he'll talk about the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's talking about it himself. It's good to be confident in God's love for you. And we like to encourage people not to think about your love for God, right. but to think about his love for you. Yeah. Right? There's a big difference. It changes the way you live. Because when you're thinking about your love for him, you begin focusing on what you've done wrong, what you've done right, what you need to fix, how you're going to do this, and it becomes a downward spiral. But right. When you focus on his love for you, you find a new strength yeah. to do the things you need to do. You find an internal, supernatural, Holy Ghost strength to begin living differently. His love gives us power to live differently, okay? So, beloved, I wish above all things, there's nothing higher on my, on my list, on my agenda, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's the heart of God right there. You guys know Jeremiah 29, 11? Another one of my favorites. I like those scriptures where the heart of God is just, here it is, right? Well, John 10.10 10 is one of them. Third John 1, two is one of them. Jeremiah 29.11 is another one where God says, I know. I'm not confused about this. I'm not taking surveys about it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to shalom you. That's what the word is. One translation says, plans to prosper you. Plans to make you whole. That's what the word means, shalom, wholeness and prosperity, health and prosperity. That's his plan for you. All right. So that's what we're doing. We're growing in the reality of this in 2017, and we're, we're rejoicing in the grace of God that is finishing the unfinished areas of our life, that is fulfilling the unfulfilled areas of our life. We're not trying to do this in our own strength. We remember uh, Zechariah verse 4 Chapter 4, verse 6, it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we're watching the unfinished, unfulfilled areas of our lives be finished and fulfilled by his might, by his power, by his spirit, by his strength, by his provision. And we are so glad about it. Now, let's look at Romans 5, 17, and then we're going to have some fun and go back to the first book in the Old Testament. But Romans 5.17, speaking of the grace of God, and this is something that is is often misunderstood, but we we are going to grab a hold of the the reality of it here. And this is what Romans 5.17 says. It says, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, much more, those who receive, so we do have to receive it, how do we receive the abundance of grace? by faith, right? It's it's a faith thing. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, it's a gift, no strings attached, will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So if we do two things, if we receive the abundance of his grace, that means we got to stop living life in our own strength, right? Relying on his strength. And the gift of righteousness, if we receive those two things, we'll begin living a different kind of life. It's a life where we reign over the enemy, where Satan is under our feet. Now Romans 6.14, speaking of the grace of God, says this, sin shall not be your master for you are not under law but under grace. What is grace? Well, grace is certainly God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E. It's the unmerited favor of God. It's also the resurrection power, the operational power of God. So sin's not your master anymore because you're not trying to defeat it in your own strength anymore. You're now relying on the resurrection power of Christ to walk in the holiness that God's provided for you. See? So what's been misunderstood, sometimes people... People have gotten upset in recent years. They say there's a new gospel being preached, the gospel of grace. Well, it's not new. It's the same gospel. It's just people misunderstand it, okay? When you hear something preaching about grace, they're not saying, well, because God's forgiven us, we can live any way we want to live and do whatever we want to do. That's silly. That's foolishness, okay? God's grace is his resurrection power. It's his spirit inside of us empowering us to live the life he's called us to live. That's why sin is not our master anymore. He's empowered us to live just as Jesus lived. Isn't that great? It's all by his grace. So that's what we're doing. We're relying on the grace of God. We're walking in the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. And boy, it takes all the stress off. You know, we're no longer stressed out because we missed it or, or made a mistake here or didn't get that done or or didn't pray long enough or whatever. we we'll put all that aside and we're just focused on the abundance of His grace, the gift of His righteousness. We're focused on who He is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Christ. Remember that from last week? We're focused on who He is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Christ, right? All right. So, we're actually taking God at his word, and we refuse to listen to our enemy. We refuse to. He has nothing in us anymore. Jesus said that. Remember when he said that, Satan has nothing in me? Do you know you can say that too? Why? Because he gave you his righteousness. He did. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you're just as clean as Jesus was clean. You are, because he did that. I know it it doesn't seem possible, but it is. The Scriptures teach us that. So we say, just like Jesus, Satan, you have nothing in us anymore. You have no hold on our lives anymore. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. So what we do instead of listening to our enemy, we choose to employ our mouth by proclaiming the promises of God over our lives. We speak who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in Christ. In fact, that's our, the channel that we live on. Amen. We give the promises of God our full attention. We meditate on them day and night. Do you remember what meditate means from, from last week? It means just to say softly to yourself over and over again. It's this low, steady sound in our lives, right? It's a, it, we, it, it means to rehearse the word, to imagine in it day and night. I'll do that sometimes when I'm sleeping, I'll just imagine in it, you know, I'll see I'll see the promises of God fulfilled in my life. I'll see myself doing the things Jesus did, fulfilling God's calling on my life. It means to study and to ponder, meditate, to study and to ponder. There's nothing more important to us than studying the promises of God. Nothing more important. Nothing more worthy of our time, energy, and resources. There isn't. Nothing more worthy. And so we, we, we are very uh, purposeful in what we give our attention to. All right? We're living above the noise of this world. We're living above the noise, okay? So we learned last week that Satan is all about the noise, isn't he? Right? He deals in ungodly words twisted truth, and sensationalized information. you remember this from last week? Ungodly words, twisted truth, and sensationalized information. And just so you know, you can hear the messages online. It's all free at highwaychurch.us. Just click on the podcast button, and they're all there for you. You can download them, or you can just listen to them online, however you want to do it. So what are ungodly words? Well, ungodly words are words that are uh, contrary to what God has already said on the matter. That's an ungodly word. So God has already decreed something. An ungodly word would be words that are contrary to what he's already said, all right? Like Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly than someone teaching someone to take a vow of poverty. That's an ungodly word. All right, not trying to slam anyone, just talking about ideas, talking about ungodly words. Also, an ungodly word could be taking what God says out of context. That can be an ungodly word. Satan did that to Jesus in the desert. Remember? He took what God said out of context, right? And wrongly applying it or deciding it doesn't apply. Right? Well, that doesn't, that's not for me. Are you sure? All right, so that's an ungodly word. We're going to look at an example of this in the Word. Satan does them all. A twisted truth, he does that too. A twisted truth is something that is, it contains a portion of truth with falsehoods mixed in. And that can be a little confusing because there's some truth in there, and you recognize the truth, but there's some other stuff like, well, wait a minute, what's that all about, right? And what this happens, see, you can't mix the promises of God and the wisdom of this world. It doesn't work. It makes the promises of God of no effect in our lives. It does, okay? God's word's way above man's word. Regardless of how uh, advanced man thinks he's become, boy, he's fall way short. (laughs) He's missing it big time. We need God. We need the perfect one to lead and guide us, right? So you can't mix the wisdom of man, the wisdom of this world, and the promises of God and expect John 10.10 results. It's got to be the pure word, and don't be afraid to take him at his word. Boy, is it worth it. You'll be so glad you did. And then there's sensationalized information, my favorite. And so I looked up the, the word sensationalized. I read the definition to you last week. I'll, I'll read it again. Sensationalized information is when uh, information is presented about something in a way that provokes interest and excitement, public interest and excitement, At the expense of accuracy. Boy, do we see that. That just sums up the media, doesn't it? Woo-wee! Talk about sensationalized information. Crazy. Yeah, there are things that people are upset about that, that haven't even really happened, but they read a story about it. They read a headline and someone sensationalized information, and they're so upset. They're so mad at a public official or so-and-so because of the story they read, not even realizing it didn't even happen. It was twisted. It was twisted. It was sensationalized. We talked about deflate a little bit last week. That was a great example of, of sensationalized information. Just because someone accuses someone of something doesn't mean they've done it. In fact, in America, there's something called presumed innocence. You are innocent until you're proven guilty, right? The burden lies on the accuser, not the accused. That's justice. You know, it's not that way everywhere in the world. There is a time in Europe where it was presumed guilt. If someone accused you of something, you were, you were considered guilty and locked up until you, someone could prove you innocent. How unjust is that? right? Jesus said, let, let everything be confirmed on the, on the testimony of what? Two or three witnesses, right? Justice. So God is good. Let's look at how Satan does this. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, 1, 2, and 3. This is what he does. He brings ungodly words, twisted truth, and sensationalized information. But if you want the John ten ten life, you can't listen to this stuff. There's times, you know, I mean, I'm thankful for the Internet. It's a great tool. I'm thankful for social media. but Boy, is there a lot of noise out there. I mean, you know, when I'm, I'm scrolling through, I just, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I don't even want to spend my time doing it sometimes because it's just, it can be such a distraction to the purposeful things God's called us to do, right? So we want to employ our attention wisely. So in Genesis chapter 1, We're going to look, before we look at how the enemy twists truth, let's look at our good, good father, all right? Let's look at this wonderful, uh, loving father who didn't make us as crawling, sniveling creatures who are supposed to pay homage to him out of duty, but he made us as his sons and daughters in his image. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, when he speaks, we listen, right? He said, Let us make man as sniveling little creatures. No, let us make man in our image. Who's our? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? In our image after our likeness. What a loving God we have. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Wow, that's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? Ooh. I mean, I got five acres. I'm like, ooh, all the earth. Are you kidding me? That's a lot. <laughs> all the earth. <laughs> I can't even clear all the trees in five acres. <laughs> all the and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Wow, every creeping thing. That applied to Satan, wouldn't it? Right? He's a creeping thing, isn't he? So he gave man authority over everything on the earth, including every devil. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Verse 27, so this good, good father created man. and his, Well, you've got to be secure to do this. And I say that because the way the religion presents God is, is he's like insecure about losing his throne or that someone's going to be better than him. How silly. I know, I mean, no one can challenge him. He's God forevermore. Amen. And when you know who you are, you're not afraid to give. You're not afraid to bestow upon someone something precious because you can't lose, right? God is a loving God. He's, he made us in His image. In the image of God created He, Him. Look at this. Male and female He created. Oh, let's go back there. Male and female. Let me get to my, yeah. He, he, male and female created He, them. Well, let's pause here for a moment. So who's more important? Who's more valuable, men or women? Raise your hand if you think men. Ooh, that'd be the last thing you ever do right there. That'd be it. Pow. Raise your hand if you think women are more important. Ooh, I'll Now, yeah, actually, the truth is we are equal. Equal in value, equal in importance, right? How do we know that? We just read it. God created men and women in His image. So one is not more important than the other. All right? Now, the world doesn't understand this. They'll get all upset over this. They'll scream and shout at each other, right? They'll, 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 they'll uh, divorce over this. They'll do all kinds of crazy things over this. But we understand it because we cherish our Father and His Word. Now, understand this. Men and women are equal in terms of value and importance, but we are not identical. If you haven't noticed, (laughs) we got some different equipment, right? We are different in that sense, right? We're not exactly alike. So we experience and enjoy our value, our importance, and our equality, not by ignoring our differences, but by appreciating them world doesn't understand this. They try and say, no, we're not any different. That means we're equal. No. No, that's, that's foolishness. To say my wife is no different than me would, would, would make no sense. She's very different than me, and I'm glad for that. I'm really <laughs> glad for that, okay? So we appreciate and enjoy our value, right, by, by appreciating our differences, okay? Not trying to ignore them or say they don't exist. Just a little pause for the cause there. So let's move on to verse 28. Look at our good, good father. I mean, if he hadn't done enough, and then he blesses them. He blesses men and women. He loves them. And he says unto them, be fruitful. There's no poverty in that statement, right? This is the father's heart. Fruitfulness. And multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. That's a military term right there. Why? Because we're in enemy territory. You have to subdue the enemy in your life. I mean, Jesus beat him for you, but you've got to enforce that authority with your mouth. He's not going to go away because you're, you're sad. All right? You've got to stand up and say, Satan, get out of my life. You're not allowed in my home anymore. You're not allowed in my family anymore. You're not allowed in my life anymore. I am God's child. So we are to be subduing daily, right? That's a charge from our good, good Father. Are you subduing darkness in your life? Start today if you're not. It's simple. Put your faith in Christ and open up your mouth. Speak with His authority, right? And have dominion. Another word for that is sovereignty. Look it up in the dictionary. Authority, sovereignty, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air over every living thing that moves upon the earth. All right, let's go into chapter 2 here. Now look, what this is really fun. So God takes the man in verse 15. This is before he made the woman. Kind of interesting. Kind of look at this before we get to what the enemy does, his ungodly words, his twisted truth, and his sensationalized information. Verse 15, chapter 2 of Genesis. The Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden, Eden means place of God's presence or place of delight. We happen to have a daughter by that name. Hey, go Eden. Go Eden. Right. To dress it and to keep it. Good. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, so this is important to him, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Who knows how many trees there were? Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Why? Because God's stingy? No. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I grew up in the Pittsburgh area, and there used to be this green sticker that parents would put on poison called Mr. Yuck. I' ever see Mr. Yuck? It was this this campaign for you know that. What state were you living in? Maryland, Maryland, okay. But they had this commercial, so parents would put these green Mr. Yuck stickers on stuff that kids weren't supposed to touch, like the refrigerator. No, they put it on like you know (laughs) cleaning fluids and stuff like that. And it had this green sour face, and the commercial was Mr. Yuck is mean. Mr. Yuck is green. And you put this sticker on all the things. Anyway, so God put this Mr. Yuck sticker on the knowledge, on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just like a good parent, because he knew it was poison. But why would knowledge be poison? What has God taught us all about? Okay. Knowledge of good and evil. What is he? What kind of knowledge? He's talking now. Uh, bear with me. You ready? We're leaving here stronger today. Yes. We're leaving here stronger than when we came in. And that sometimes requires a change in the way we think. He's talking about the knowledge that comes that is gained by the senses. Okay? He's talking about the knowledge that's gained by your senses. You say, well, what's wrong with that? We weren't created, designed, made by our Father to live by our senses, but by our spirit. Is this starting to make sense? All right. In other words, there's a greater reality than what I can smell and taste. There's a greater reality than what my ears hear and my eyes see. It's in the spirit realm. You will be a frustrated Christian if you're living by your senses. Because this stuff is in the spirit realm. You can't taste it. When God said, taste and see, the Lord is good, he's talking about faith in who he is. He's not talking about sitting down at a table and having an English muffin or something. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's talking about faith. This is a faith thing, man, and your senses can't get you there. Oftentimes, what God has promised you might be contrary to what your senses are detecting. When I was laying there... Now, we could go shaking on the bathroom floor, you know? My senses were telling me, man, you got the flu. You're, it's bad. You're going you're gonna to be visiting the porcelain structure for who knows how many times. And I said, no, no, you're not allowed to operate in my body. I don't allow this anymore. There's a different reality. So God wants us to live by our spirits, not our senses. I know this can be shocking, but it is true. In fact, you are a spirit, right? right? What what did Jesus say in John chapter 4, verse 24? He said, God is spirit, right? And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I love that word worship there. You know what it means? It means to kiss towards. I love that to kiss towards, to adore, to to bestow a special honor and respect upon. So if you want this this intimacy with God, you've got to walk in the Spirit. You've got to learn to walk in the Spirit, to not let your senses control you. So we know that we're three parts. We're made of three parts, right? That you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you're living in a body. It's good when you understand your parts so you can recognize what's going on, right? Right? Your spirit is who you are. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are tools that God has given us, but that's not who you are. You are not the way you feel. Sometimes it feels like it, right? But you're greater than the way you feel. Your emotions aren't who you are. God gave them to us. They're tools, but sometimes you've got to get those things in line because, boy, they can lead you in a place you don't want to go. They can move you to say things you want to say and do things you want to do. So we're not run by our emotions, right? And we're living in a physical body. It's a mortal body. It's not going to last forever, okay? We're going to get a glorified body. That's coming, right? All right, so that's the three parts to who we are. So he's, he's giving Adam this Mr. Yuck sticker because he wants him to live, all right? And John 6 63, Jesus said this. I love it. He said, It's the Spirit. King James says quickeneth. It means makes alive or brings life. It's the spirit that gives life. Oh, boy. The flesh. Wow. The flesh profits nothing. What does the world exalt? The flesh, right? Then it profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is one of the reasons so many believers get frustrated with the message of faith and grace. They try it. They don't see the results in their life, and they say it's not true. Right? Don't listen to those, those preachers who preach faith. I've tried that stuff, and it doesn't work. If you're a carnal, live-by-the-senses Christian, it's not going to work. This is a faith thing. You, you, you're going to go where your senses can't walk. You're going to do things your senses tell you you're crazy. But this is a, a spiritual life we're living. It's greater than what we can detect with our senses. Now, let's go back to uh, verse 17 in Genesis chapter 2. So he told him uh, that, but uh, of the tree, uh, let's do verse 17. Verse 17. That's 18. There we go. That's 18 too. Go down. There we go. But of the tree, of <laughs> the knowledge. There we go. So he's saying, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, I don't want you to live by your senses. All right? In the day you start living by your senses, you're going to die, die, the Hebrew says. It says surely die in the King James. But in Hebrew, we could read that as you will die, die. What is he talking about? There's two deaths, spiritual death and physical death. All right? When Adam uh, ate of that tree, he died physically and he died spiritually. Okay? Okay? Now, now let's go to verse 18. Interesting to note, after God gives the commandment to the man, then he created the woman. The Lord God said it's not good for that man should be alone. So maybe he made the woman to help us walk in the spirit. Didn't he, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about walking in the spirit. Then he says, wait, this guy's alone. It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help, meet, that means proper, and help proper for him. Let me read you some other translations of that. This is so good. The New English translation says, I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. I like that. A corresponding companion. The uh, International Standard Version says, I will make the woman, look at this, to be an authority corresponding to him. Oh, man, that's good, right? Women have just as much authority as men. You know, my wife grew up in a church. They taught that wasn't the case. They said, women can't do this, women can't do that. All they can do is they can be a missionary and teach Sunday school. That's all they're allowed to do. Where'd that come from? Not from our Father, right? I will make the woman to be an authority corresponding to him. That's the Bible, isn't it? Isn't that good? Yeah. So as men and women, we're not fighting over authority, right? We understand God created us. And in our marriage, when, when it says that the husband is the head of the marriage, that, doesn't, that, that means that I have the responsibility to lead, but we are equal in terms of value, right? So there's no, there's, there's no tension there. It's, it's, a, it's a oneness. It's a unity. Just like there's no tension between my head and my neck and my shoulders. If there is, we want that to go away, right? All right, they were made to work together. All right, that's not what we're talking about, but that was good anyway. All right, so God gave this commandment to Adam before he made Eve. Maybe that means it was Adam's responsibility to teach Eve about walking in the Spirit, that the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge gained by the senses wasn't for them. Now let's look at the enemy. Are you ready? Ready? Walking in the spirit, here comes here comes Satan. He, right, he hates what God has done. He hates Adam and Eve. He hates mankind because God loves them so much. Genesis chapter three verse one says, "Now the serpent was more subtle." What does that word "subtle" mean? It means, in this context, making use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. Okay. So Satan's about to make use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. What does Satan want to achieve? He wants to destroy man, right? He wants them to die, die, right? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Here's an example of a twisted truth. God did talk about the trees, didn't he? Right? He talked about the trees. He told them they could eat of every tree but one. So Satan knows that. He knows what he told them. So he's going to throw a little truth in there. Yeah, he talked about the trees, but now he's going to put it in the form of a question, and there's some falsehood in there, isn't it? Right? He didn't say, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That wouldn't make any sense. Right? So he's twisting things, but a question is clever. Because a question can bait you to respond when you don't need to. Right, right. Have you ever seen a, a press conference? Woo-wee! Right? Just say, no comment, see you later, right? You don't need to respond to all that noise. And you don't need to respond to that noise in your private life. Or you, you have a family member, someone pressing you to say something. You don't need to say anything. Just say, have a nice day. And keep on going. All right? Don't let anyone press you to respond. So this is bait, okay? He's putting some bait out there. He's trying to to lure Eve to do something. All right? It's good to know when someone asks you a question to recognize and think, wait a minute, what's the spirit behind this question? Why are they even asking me this? Because you can stop right there right? If she was just, wait, 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 what's his motive? Why is he even asking me this? It can't be good. So, I'm just going to stop this conversation right now and move on, right? So, learn to do that in your life. Recognize the spirit behind the question that's being asked you, and that oftentimes will, will set you free right there, all right? So verse 2, and the woman said unto the serpent, so she didn't recognize the spirit. She said, "We remember, Adam's right next to her. And we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, so she's telling what he already knows, right? He's getting her to talk so she can fall. God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, did God say that? There's something added there, Right? I don't know, maybe Adam taught it to her that way. I know man does that with God's word. He adds things to it, right? That's not what God said. He didn't say you should not touch it. When man starts adding things to what God said, look out. Walk away from that. You don't need that. You don't just, what God said is sufficient. All I need is the words of my father, right? I don't need 10 doctrines on top of that, right? Okay. So neither, okay, verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman... You shall not surely die. So we saw some twisted truth. What's this? Contrary words, ungodly words, right? Now he's just coming right out and contradicting what God has already said on the matter, right? You shall not surely die. Let's keep reading. For God doth know. Here's some sensationalized information. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof. Sounds like a media headline. Then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Boy, is this clever. This is sensationalized information. We see it in the media all the time. So what's he doing? He's, he's attacking God's character, right? He's, that's right, Ray. You got it. He's attacking God's character. He's saying that God has a, a, um, an evil agenda. He's got a plan, to, and, he, and he doesn't want you to have certain things. He's afraid that you're going to become like him and take over his kingdom, right? He's putting God in a bad light here, all right? And he's also covering the fact, the reality of who Eve already is. She's already a daughter of God. She was already made in his image, right? See how clever this is? There's a whole lot in this one statement, a whole lot. And that's it's so, so often the truth in sensationalized information. You've got to peel it all away and get to the heart of it. Verse 9, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, so what's she using to determine this? Her spirit or her senses? Her senses. What's she doing now? She's becoming carnal. She's starting to listen to her senses. That's the the enemy's plan. He's getting her into that realm of carnal reasoning. All right? He's posing these questions. He's giving her this sensationalized information, and she's taking the bait. She's mulling it around in here. That's what I I, I remember. uh, I was in a different country traveling uh, in the Middle East and just about to enter this city, and all of a sudden, a a crowd of people came around acting like they were excited that we were visiting their city. They were pickpockets, and there was about five of them. And two of them came to your front and they said, Hi, where are you from? Oh, hello, welcome to our city. While well, the other three went behind you, see? But we knew their game, see? So so there, you gotta recognize the enemy's schemes in your life, all right? She didn't in this case, all right? She didn't in this case. So she's now, she's, she took the bait. She's in this realm of carnal reasoning and faith doesn't live there. Reason, we are to use reason. Reason employed. Through faith in the Word of God, right? There's a different type of reasoning. It's taking the Word of God, the promises of God, and counting them true in my life by faith, okay? If you try and reason what God wants to do in your life, it's impossible. I might as well tell you that already. God wants to do impossible stuff in your life. It can't happen without Him, it can't happen apart from His power and love, okay? So we might as well settle that right here. Okay, so uh, woman saw it with her eyes and, and the tree. Now, she made these conclusions based on her senses. She doesn't know this. She hasn't eaten it yet, right? And the tree was desired to make one wise. How does she know that? Who was she listening to? So she's making decisions based on the enemy's words and her senses. Trouble, right? She's making decisions on, based on ungodly words, twisted truths, sensationalized information, and her senses. Nothing good can come out of this, right? She took the fruit thereof. And she ate and gave also unto old bub, right? Her husband, who was on the recliner watching football. He should have been paying attention. Unto <laughs> her husband with her. And he did eat. Look at verse 7 now. And the eyes of both of them were open. What does that mean? They went from spiritual to carnal. They went from walking in the Spirit to living by their senses. Everything changed at this moment in time. And they knew now that they were naked. They knew something was different now. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What a picture that must have been. You can't cover that up, right? They died, died, all right? They just entered into the life of fear, condemnation, guilt, shame, confusion, and it entered the human race. And that's all for today. We'll see you next week. Ah! I'm so glad the Bible doesn't stop there. It is my privilege to let you know that you are not in the place of Adam and Eve anymore. You're not in that place anymore. Did you know that? In fact, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we, we learn from what happened there. We study the Old Testament. There's valuable truths in the Old Testament, but we know we're not in that place anymore. Why? Because another testament was put into effect, the New Testament, right? A new Adam came. Did you know that? The first Adam fell, but the new Adam rose, right? The first Adam was defeated by Satan. The second Adam defeated Satan, Right? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21, for since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. Talking about Adam in the first part, Jesus in the second. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, ouch, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Message says it this way, I like it. Everybody dies in Adam, everybody comes alive in Christ. Yes, sir. That's for me. That's for you, right? Everybody dies in Adam, but everybody comes alive in Christ. Verse uh, Corinthians 15, let's go to verse 46. Excuse me, verse 45. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being. He was created, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Wow. Difference. Adam was a created being, but Christ was a life-giving spirit. He rose from the dead. That means anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ receives his life. First Adam couldn't do that. Last Adam did, right? He's a life-giving spirit, and it's available to anyone who believes. Glory to God. All right. Now. All right, Romans chapter 5. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. Let's wrap this thing up here. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. God is so good. Romans chapter 5. Let's start in verse 12. We doing okay? We need a coffee break? We'll have some coffee in a minute here. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, And thus death spread to all men. We just read that, right, in Genesis, because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. There was no law in that period of time, right? The law came through Moses. Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who's a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came through one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Now we're back to 17, which we read earlier. For if by the one man's offense death reigns through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus rose so that you too can walk in the Spirit again. Jesus rose so that you could walk in newness of life. You say, well, how do I do it? Through simple faith in the promises of God, just start learning who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in Christ. put your faith in him and watch out. all right so that's what we do here at Highway Church. We feed on the Word of God, we feed on the promises of God which, which is spirit. Would't Jesus say my word is spirit and it is life. So Satan can't control the outcome of your circumstances and life unless he can change what you believe, unless you allow him to change what you believe. He can't do it. So don't get entangled in the ungodly words, the twisted truth, the sensationalized information of this world. Don't get entangled in the careless banter, the gossip, the sideshow distractions of this world right? Our focus is on who God is, what he's done for us, who we are in Christ. We're staying with the promises of God. Let's do our last scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and then we're going we're to wind it up. Excellent scripture here. It gives us insight into how to walk in this spirit, how to live this God life. It says grace, there it is. Boy, you see grace all over the scriptures, grace and peace, God's favor, God's operational power, peace, irene, wholeness, well-being be multiplied to you. That's a heart of God right there. In the knowledge of God, different kind of knowledge than the knowledge of good and evil. This is knowledge of the Spirit. God is spirit. That's how we know. Knowledge of spirit, right? Knowledge of God. God is spirit. John 4:24 or 34, whatever that was. Knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge, not sense knowledge, spiritual knowledge, of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence, for by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. I went into a different translation. Are we verse 4? Verse 4, there we go. But He granted His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to start having a promise of the month. All right? So the promise of the month, because we want to get your attention as much as possible on the promises of God. They will change your life like nothing else. There's no workout program, diet program better than simply focusing on His promises. And here's our promise for February. Are you ready? Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 and 4. So we want you to just eat this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay? Let's read it together. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Let's read that again. Let's go back and read that again. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you Verse 4, trust in the Lord 24-7, right? For in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength, all right? So let that be a part of your uh, diet each day. And let's let me pull out the message here real quick. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. Sounds like a good investment to me, Right? Steady on their feet because they keep at it and don't quit. Man, that's good. That's the message translation. Verse 4, depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God you have a sure thing. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Lord, you did what you did for one reason only, love. You are the love of our lives. You are the one meeting every need. You're the one uh, that doesn't sleep. Lord, when we're sleeping, <laughs> you're awake, working things out for our good. What comfort we have. Lord, we're going to keep our mind stayed on you. We've just, we've just subscribed to your cable channel, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. And Lord, you keep us in perfect peace. So, Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, as we go throughout today and the rest of the week and the noise of this world begins to getting louder, encourage us, strengthen us, help us to keep our focus on you, who you are, what you've done for us, and who we are in you now. In Jesus' name. He is.